typically I, um, I'll start my sermons with just a, a funny story we can all relate to, um, but unfortunately it's not going to be one of those days. Um, so, man, I, you know, we've been in this series um, that Aaron's been, been preaching about tending the lamps, and it's just been such a powerful, powerful message through that, and there's just so much good meat in that that we need. And uh, she's been doing a fantastic job a few weeks ago. Erica preached an amazing message on Mother's Day. And uh, last week, uh, we, we shared that awesome message about declarations. Has anybody been doing that this week? Declaring things in your life, like speaking that over your life, speaking things into existence. It's been awesome. I even got one of those uh, little tally counters that I've been like trying to do that on a daily basis. It's hard to get like a hundred. Like that's tough. You know, you just got to keep de- declaring things. But uh, I can tell by doing that, like like it, it boosts your faith. It boosts, um, <laughs> it just boosts so many things that, to have that belief, to have that hope that sometimes we can lose in the midst of trials that we have. But today, um, we're going to kind of uh, talk about one of the churches that Aaron uh, just touched on briefly a few weeks ago, and um, that is the church at Laodicea. And uh, I mean, I've I felt really heavy this week, guys. Um, you know, I I know that this is for our church. Um, I know that um, we all need to hear this, and uh, it's been very heavy on my heart. And I know that um, I know this is what the Lord wants. So. Um, Bear with me. Shoot, I'm going to make it to the first part. Gosh, all right. All right, Revelations 3, 14. This is to the church at Laodicea. To the angel of the church at Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen. These are the words of Jesus. The faithful and true witness. The ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds. That you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other, but so because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. What that actually means is, I'm about to vomit you out of my mouth because you make me sick. (laughs) So, give you a little bit of history of layout of sea. I think it's important to understand. A little bit of, about the history of Laodicea, so you can get an, an idea and a picture of of who they are and what they have become. But I think also it, it'll help us to understand what Jesus is saying here. And when when that when Jesus told them that they were lukewarm, they understood exactly what that meant. So Laodicea was it was an important wealthy city with a significant Jewish population, and like other cities in the region. It was the center of Caesar worship at that time uh, and the worship of the healing god Asclepios. There was a a famous temple of Asclepios in Laodicea um, and they had what came from that was a famous medical school that that came from that that, that healing and it was connected to the temple of this healing god that, that they had been worshiping. But after an earthquake devastated that region in, uh, I think it was, let's see, what was it, uh, 60 A.D., Laodicea was refusing imperial help. They said, we got it. So basically, um, they, they, uh, they, they were, you know, when, when uh, something like Katrina happens or something like that, like 
people from around the nation and some probably even around the world were going to help with things like that, right? But they were like, no, we don't need any help. We got this. We can do it all our own. And, and they refused any help at all. Laodicea was too rich to accept help from anyone. Tacitus, the Roman historian, tells us that Laodicea arose from the ruins by the strength of her own resources and with no help from us. They didn't need help from anybody. They raised these black sheep that created this beautiful raven black wool. They, they also um, were very known for their uh, amazing banks. They were also known for their medical school that focused on, a, on an eye salve. Um, so that's some things that they were well known for. So they were uh, a very, very high status culture. They had everything that they needed. So they had everything that they needed in this life. They were rich. They had the Gucci clothes, right? They had a medical school. They, they had the, the, the best college, basically, in the area. Well-known. You see, Laodicea thought that they had it all together. They had the appearance like they got it all together. They had the appearance of wealth. Yet they didn't realize that they had a glaring issue in their city. They had a very poor water supply in that city. History suggests that there was a, a, a town, to the, I believe it was the northeast of that, called Hierapolis. And that was actually known for its hot springs. So um, not just that, they weren't just known for their hot springs, um, they, they were also, uh, it was, so where Hierapolis was, it was by a volcano, so it created these hot springs that was consistently like 95 degrees all the time. And, you know, they, they thought, oh, this is amazing. This hot water brought um, worship to Heracles, uh, the god of health and hot waters. Another quality was the water actually cleaned dirt, it bleached wool, and it fixed collard dyes. So since Laodicea had a water issue, what they decided to do was like, hey, um, we don't ever have to leave our city and do anything, but if we have a water duct that's going from Hierapolis to here, we can get that nice hot water that they have, right? The problem was is that when they created the aqueduct from there to there, by the time it got to Laodicea, it, be, it had become so full of minerals, it had become so disgusting Probably I can just imagine like sulfur water. Like you ever smell like the, the water that just smells like, like rotten eggs, like that kind of smell? It got, it got there, and it, and it wasn't that hot, refreshing water anymore. No, 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 it was not hot and refreshing anymore. It was lukewarm. It was disgusting. It was tepid, if you will. Because the water would take so long to get from Hierapolis. It was unusable. There was another town that was just east of there called Colossae, and it was believed at one time that there was an aqueduct coming from Colossae to uh, Laodicea. Um, even though as I've been researching that, there's not really any like uh, ar archaeological evidence of that, that there has been that. Um, obviously there was from Hierapolis, but, but there was uh, Speculation that at one time they actually had it from Colossae. And what Colossae was known for was their cool, refreshing water. They were known for that. So, 
Because of this, because they had such a water supply issue, it made Laodicea, Laodicea vulnerable to attack. If an enemy army surrounded that city, they had inefficient water supply. So, and the supplies coming from the city could easily be cut off. So if an enemy wanted to attack Laodicea, all they had to do was cut off their water supply, surround the city, they would eventually run out of water and die. But you know what Laodicea did? They actually said, you know what? Um, okay, we got, all these, we got all these goods, we got things. So you know what we're going to do uh, to make sure that we never have to do any conflict, never have to fight any battles, anything like that? We are going to compromise with the enemy. So that that way, we'll never have to face conflict. Like, like you know, they're, they're just compromising with the enemy. Instead of fighting, they're negotiating, they're compromising. And I got to thinking, like, man, isn't that the American church? <laughs> we don't want to offend anybody. So, so, so let's make sure that we never, ever speak hard truths that might cause conflict. Let's never, let's make sure that um, we speak about things that make, let's never speak about things that would make someone else feel uncomfortable. Let's, let's always speak positivity all the time. We, we don't want to do anything to make the devil mad. Well, we don't want the devil mad. So we compromise with the enemy. We try to adjust our services to look like the world so that people come in and, and they sit down and they never have to change. <laughs> and the sad thing is, is that these are the very people that Jesus is looking at and saying, you make me want to vomit. You make me sick. So Jesus says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. And I really wish that you were one or the other. Now, many Christians interpret that as, as hot, obviously, as being like on fire for the Lord, right? Um, and then I think sometimes when you think of the word cold, it gets like a bad rap, right? But, but if you think about it in this instance, um, you, you don't really want to be cold because it's like, oh, if, I, if I'm cold, then I'm like cold to the things of God. But, but if we also think of cold in terms of water, hot water can be good. Like, like you know, unless you're some of the, one of those people that like really enjoy an ice cold shower, like there's something just amazing about a nice hot shower, right? Um, there's, there's something amazing about a, a nice cold ice glass of water, right? Think about it. Like when you drink coffee... Nobody wants to drink a lukewarm coffee, right? If you're drinking coffee in this room, you're either one side or the other. You're either, I want that thing iced or I want that thing piping hot, right? You don't, you don't want a coffee that's just sitting there and it's going to be lukewarm because it's going to be disgusting. It's going to be nasty, right? Like if, if, I, if I have, um, I know we probably have a lot in this area. It seems to be a common thing. A lot of L8 type drinkers in this room. So, if, if you're drinking an L8, like you don't want an L8 that's been sitting in my truck all afternoon. You want an L8 that's ice cold 
And if you're like Aaron, he's got, he's got it down to the basic science. He actually puts it in the freezer for a little bit and, and makes sure that he times it. Now, this is no joke, guys. He'll, he'll, he'll tell you that he's got a way about that. You want that thing nice, freezing cold, right? You want it chilled. You want it, ah, oh, refreshing, right? You see, however, you want to look at it. Hot can be good. Cold can be good. However, the church at Laodicea, what they do is they exemplify empty religion. You see, religion, that, that, you see, tax collectors and harlots were more open to Jesus than the Pharisees and scribes. <laughs> so that, that, that can tell us, like, hmm, those that are cold and far away from Jesus, sometimes the Lord's like, I wish you were that. Either that or you're going to be over here completely on fire for, the, for me. I, I either want all of you or I want none of you. Because maybe if I have none of you, maybe you can eventually reach the bottom and realize just how much you need me. There are some people in this room that have went through some really dark times in their life. They have overcome addictions they've never thought. But when they came to Jesus, now when they were a cold heart, they, they, they had given up on life. Somehow the Lord transformed their life and now they are on this hot side. And they're full of passion and fervor for the Lord. You see, Satan will have us any way that he can get us. But he prizes a lukewarm religionist. Far above a cold-hearted sinner. You see, when we think of hot, we think of being on fire for God. We are full of passion and zeal for the Lord. We're being, we bring healing. But when we think of cold, we think of refreshing. So both versions can be at least useful. So what makes someone lukewarm? Maybe it's because you're, you're chasing wealth, status, Misplaced priorities, consumed by the things of this world. Maybe it's because you have apathy towards the things of God. I, I, don't, I don't really need to pray. I don't, I don't really need to read my Bible. I, I, you know, I, I can watch, I can watch um, church online. We have that option. I can just stay in my comfy clothes. But, but you know, and, I, and I, I'm so thankful we have that for those that really do need that tool. Man, if you're just there just because you don't want to get out of bed in the morning, check your heart, you know? Because a lot of times, I feel like I, 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 it's hard for me to focus online personally. But if I'm in, if I'm in the service, I, I'm able to be more focused because if I'm, if I'm there, I'm like looking at other things and it just kind of becomes white noise in the background if I'm not careful. And I know there are people that need that and I'm thankful we have that tool. I'm not saying that. But you get what I'm saying. <laughs> I'll just catch on church online so I can stay in these comfy clothes. Ah, you know what? It's football season. I don't, I don't have to go to church. I can kind of check out during this season. Like I can clock out from being a Christian just during this season. Like, thank goodness that's been a hard season to live like a Christian. I can go back to my football again. I can clock out. Those of us that are con constantly thinking about what we're going to do next while we're sitting here in the service because we think that just showing up makes us good with God. We hear what is preached here on a Sunday 
and think, wow, that was really good. Like Aaron killed it today. It was an amazing sermon. Like it was such a powerful thing. And by the time we get out that front door, our kids are screaming. They're yelling. We're in a bad mood. All we want to do is just like, where are we going? Butterbees or Mexican? You know what I'm saying? We, we, we totally forget about those hard truths that were shared. We were sitting here, Lord, I'm changing everything. By the time we get out to the parking lot, we're right back where we were again. There's never any change that happens. We just continue to stay in our comfort zones over and over and over again. <laughs> we hear April or Ruth or someone get up here from the stage and say, hey, we really need volunteers right now. In Res Kids, we need volunteers. But we say, ah, somebody else can do that. That's, that's not for me. I, I work all week long. I've got a really busy schedule. I, I, can, I can clock out. And I get that that's true. We all have busy schedules, right? But man, where is our heart and passion for the things of God? I asked Jesus into my life. I'm saved. All right, checkbox. All right. Now I get this, I, get, I don't have to go to hell. Perfect, this is great. And that's as far as we ever get. And the problem is, guys, is that when it comes to the kingdom of God, we are absolutely useless. We're useless. So my question to you today is, if Jesus examined your life today, I'm not judging you, but think of this, if Jesus really examined your life today, your heart today, would he say that you are useful to the kingdom of God? And I would venture to say that for a lot of us, he would say, I'm spitting you out of my mouth. You, you, you make me sick. You see, the reason that a lot of you are lukewarm today is because you're over here and you're on the fence. You know, I, I won't go into that, but I was going to say, uh, I used to watch these uh, Bill Dance shows when I was growing up. He was like a, an older time fisherman guy. I always loved watching him. He had like the big, huge hat with like the, the Texas T on it. And uh, great bloopers, by the way. Look up Bill Dance bloopers when you go on. Anyways, getting off on a tangent here. <laughs> but he was like, this part of the sermon's brought to you by Walmart. Always low prices. And I just, you know, this, thank goodness for Kibler that allowed me to borrow this at their thing yesterday, and I wanted to do like a little commercial, but I'm not going to. <laughs> but the reason that a lot of us are lukewarm, guys, is honestly because we're right here. We're, we're on the fence. We're right here, right? I, I want my kids to be committed, and I want my kids to be on fire for God. But someone else is going to have to do that. Someone else is going to have to invest in them. I, I, don't, I don't want my kids to make the same mistakes that I did, yet you allow them to choose whether or not they come to Pulse on Sunday nights. I, I want my kids to stop being so depressed, so violent, to stop sneaking around, to stop lying to me. Like, I don't know what to do with them. But I also don't want to invite others in to pray for them because what happens if they think wrongly of my kid? And so therefore, your, your child just stays in that state of shame the rest of their life because you're not able to step up as a parent and be what you're supposed to be. You're not meant to be a friend. You're meant to be a parent. Yeah. 
I want to go to church, but I also don't want to stop sleeping around with my boyfriend. <laughs> At least I'm not, you know, I'm not sleeping around. You're like, I, I love him, and we're good. <laughs> we're going to get married one day. I want to go to church. <laughs> Someone post on Facebook, please pray for my brother right now. He's got cancer. Praying for your brother. So sorry to hear this. Swipe, swipe, swipe. Forget to pray. <laughs> How many times do we do that? Guilty. <sighs> you know, I don't believe in divorce, but I also really don't want to give up this pornography addiction either. I don't. You know, I want to go get drunk on Friday nights because that's awesome. I love laughing and hanging out with my friends, and, and, and I like the way that that makes me feel. But, man, I also really enjoy, and I love getting drunk on the Holy Spirit. That's pretty cool, too. I believe in the blessings of God. Lord, you are faithful. You are true. You are amazing. You are awesome. You give me a future and a hope. We, we love that part of God, right? The God of peace and joy and happiness. But Lord, I really don't want to die to myself. You see, the problem is, church, is that we want, we want the full-time benefits of God with a part-time Christianity. And here's the thing to some of you married couples in this church. Marriages are dying because they've become lukewarm. I remember... When me and Rihanna first started dating, I was so romantic. I was full of love for her. I would surprise her with little gifts. There was one time, our very first Valentine's Day, like I, I had this scavenger hunt for her. I was like, get your, get your coat on. I left a little note outside her door. I had rose petals going to her car. I, I, like, no joke, I had like rose petals like sprinkled throughout the campus at the college. Had it all set up. I remember Christmases, I would used to, I would get her like a little necklace or something like that, and I would wrap it in a big box, you know, just to surprise her and love her. I remember those times where I would just, you know, and I would go and I would open her door, be a gentleman. But when you got four kids, you got bills to pay, you got houses, you got all this stuff, life's just busy, life's crazy. Sometimes you can become really lukewarm in your marriage. You see, we're really good at having the appearance of godliness, yet we deny the power. The church before that in Ephesus, it says, Yet I hold this against you, you have forsaken the love that you had at first. You see, a lot of us have lost the love that we had in our marriages. Our wife gained five pounds or something like that, like, oh, well, I don't really care for her anymore. Well, if you would truly be all in on your marriage, you might realize just how awesome she really is and just how amazing that your marriage could be. But you're stuck here on this fence, and it's not comfortable. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, the same is true in our relationship with God. Remember when you first asked Jesus into your heart? 
how passionate you were about him. Man, I'm going to serve wherever I can. I'm going to do whatever I can. What, 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 what can I do? You're, you're just so excited for the things of God. You want to learn all you can. You're, you're just immersed in your Bible. Like, oh, I just want all the Lord I can get. You're driving down the road and you're worshiping to the, the worship music. Oh, this is so awesome. This is so amazing. This is so incredible. I love you, Lord. You're praying three times a day. Everyone you come in contact with, your family members, you're just telling about how good God is and how much he's changed your life. And now it's all we have to do to just show up here on a Sunday just to check that box. <laughs> when are we going to get out of here? That timer's been going off for 20 minutes now. I am done. Constantly looking back like, this thing's been in red a while now. Let's get out of here. <laughs> now we see you up here. Don't, don't think we don't. That's right. <laughs> we've stopped serving the Bible that used to be worn out from and just full of highlights is now collecting dust on the sides of our beds we doubt if God still loves us anymore and we are to the point now to where we really do not even realize how bad it is because we think that we have it all together we've become self-sufficient Here's the thing about Satan is Satan doesn't mind if you have a little bit of God as long as he has a little bit of you. <laughs> he don't care. You're not being effective here on this fence. Think about it. If I was a cow sitting here on a fence right now, would I be an effective cow that's supposed to be grazing in the field? No. I'm there and I'm eating that stuff. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm all in, you know. <laughs> when it comes to my relationship with Rihanna, Rihanna is not a side chick. She deserves my full devotion, my full attention. She deserves everything that I have because she's been so good to me. And I don't deserve her love that she has shown me over the years. I don't deserve her grace and forgiveness that she has shown me over the years. Jesus deserves, guys, our full affection, our full attention. He deserves our whole heart because he gave up everything for you. Think about this. Would it be okay for, for, for you and your marriage right now to go out and just, just start sleeping around with someone else? No. Duh. Well, what makes us think that it's okay to go out and to cheat on God? But here's what we do. We get enough of God to where we, we, we get that splash over to where we feel good to start our week, Right? <laughs> but we have enough of the world to keep feeding our flesh. And here we are, we're stuck on this fence. We want to live like the world. Yet here's the thing, like, like we want to live like the world, right? But what happens when like a tragedy hits? Something really bad happens. Lord, I love you. Lord, forgive me. I've been a sinner. Lord, like my, my HVAC went out today. Lord, I'm so sorry. I've been living wrong. Lord, would you please just heal my HVAC today? We can't afford this right now. God, I love you. I'm so sorry. We're all in at that point, aren't we? We're desperate for the things of God when we need him. God in our life has become a side chick. On the opposite of the spectrum, like, woohoo, it's St. Patrick's Day. Let's get wasted. What's that to do with St. Patrick? 
It's New Year's, like we can live it up tonight. We're getting wasted, we're getting trashed tonight. Yeah, we go back to our comfortable fence on Sunday morning. So what are we going to do? Jesus is like, you know what I'm going to do to this fence? I'm going to put an electric current through this fence. So that you don't have a choice. You're either going to jump off of one side or the other. Because I'm tired of this fence riding stuff. You're either in or you're out. What's it going to be? Church, what's it going to be today? Are we in or are we out? we got to quit playing games. <sighs> Lord, help me. Jesus is like, I want you to get off that fence. You're either for me or you're against me. But you might be thinking like, well, you know, what if I lose my friends? What if, what if my boyfriend or my girlfriend breaks up with me? Oh, man, I really do love them and care for them. What if he calls me to Africa? Ooh. What, what if I have to stop going to those bars on Friday night where I know I always fall into that temptation? Let me tell you something today. Jesus is worth every single thing that you're afraid of losing today. You may say, the Bible's boring. Yeah, I, if you know me very well, I hate reading. And here I am as a pastor. I just don't like reading. But man, when I really dive into Scripture, when I really just, just dive in, it becomes alive to me. I, I can become really addicted to Scripture. Like, man, this is so good. This is so awesome. This is so powerful. Wow, God, I've never noticed this before. You just brought this alive. It's full of so many amazing things. The thing about TikTok and the thing about Netflix is the thing about that is they're actually really boring too until you open them up. Okay, moving right along. But I think the thing is, church, is I think a lot of times we're just fooling ourselves into believing that we're good. So in verse 17, what does Jesus say to them? Why is he, why is he wanting to spit them out of his mouth? Like, Why is he saying, I'm going I'm to spit you out? Like, I'm, like, like when I think of spitting out, I think of getting rid of. I, I don't like vomit and like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring that back. Like, I, I, I like that food, you know? Jesus is saying, like, I'm not going to have any part with you. Whoa. Verse 17 says, you say I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you don't realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. How many of you guys are probably like me when Christmas comes around and... Uh, your wife asks you what you want for Christmas or your husband asks you what you want for Christmas and you're like, I don't need anything. I don't want a thing. I've got everything that I need. I, I feel like I do that every year, right? <laughs> because I've got so much stuff. It's like, I don't need anymore. I, I've, I've become, I've, I'm just, I'm spoiled, honestly. I, I've got so much. Guys, we're so rich. We are, we are such a, a, a rich, rich, rich country. We have no idea how rich that we truly are. None of you guys in this room have dirt floors that you have to, to walk in. None of you guys are in just a one-room hut and you have to make it on your family. None of us have like a, uh, maybe a shower curtain or just an old ragged sheet covering the door. 
We're blessed. But the thing about it is that when Jesus says that, he says, you say you don't need anything, but you don't realize. You don't even realize it, that how, how wretched you are. What does that word wretched mean? I thought, I don't know why I thought like when I think of like wretched, I think of like evil, witchcrafty stuff. I don't know why I thought that. That's not what that word means. Wretched means a person in a very unhappy or unfortunate state. Miserable, unhappy, cheerless, depressed. And deep down, there is nobody in this room that is more miserable than a lukewarm Christian. They have too much of the world to be happy in Jesus, and they have too much of Jesus to be happy in the world. And so you're just straddling this fence. And as I said, you've you've tricked yourself into believing that this is a, a comfy couch. And it's just not. So you're wretched, you're poor. Someone that's poor has nothing to offer. They didn't have anything to offer God. You're blind. You don't have any vision. And where there's no vision, what happens? The people perish. And the thing is, when you're, when you're blind, you can't see it. They, didn't, they couldn't even see how messed up that they were. You're naked. When someone's naked, they are fully exposed. People see you exactly the way that you are. You're not fooling anybody. You are fully exposed. You're not hiding anything. All the enemies around people knew they probably took advantage of them because they seen who they really were. (laughs) And the other thing he says is you're pitiful, inadequate, sufficient for a purpose, lacking quality. So Jesus is speaking directly to the things that these Laodiceans had comfort in. We got the best medical school and we, we specialize in healing eyes here. Um, and Jesus is like, yeah, but you're blind. We, we've got the best banking industry. Like we've got these beautiful coins. It's got Zeus's face on it. It's so awesome. Like we, we really pride ourselves in this. We don't need money from outside sources. We're just we're rich. We're a very rich culture. And you don't really know how poor that you are. We have the the, the, the trendiest clothes that everybody wants. Yeah, but you're naked. You're exposed to everyone else and you don't even know it. You think you're self-sufficient, but you're so inadequate and you lack so much quality. As I said before, when you're riding this fence, it's not comfortable. I love this verse, and I love this version in 1 Kings 18.21. It says this, it says, Elijah challenged the people. How long are you going to sit on the fence? If God is the real God, follow him. If it's Baal, follow him. Make up your minds. That's what Jesus is saying here. Make up your mind. Either you love me or you're out. You're you're, you're hindering so many people from coming to me and knowing me. Guys, how long are we going to ride the fence? The sad thing is that so many of us have 
come to this place where we are lukewarm in our faith. We're lukewarm in our prayer life. And the world is turned off by Christianity because that's what they see as a, as a whole slew of lukewarm Christians. Because the thing is, is like if, if, if people don't know Jesus, they're looking for hope. They're in a hopeless situation right now. If they don't know Jesus, like, like, like hell is where they're going. They're looking for hope. And if the hope that they have is a bunch of fence straddlers, what hope do they have? Oh, Lord. Because the thing is, they see people that's no different than they are. So why would they want what, they, what we have if they don't see any difference? We make Jesus sick. <laughs> the thief on the cross was cold to Jesus. And he clearly saw his need. Right? We think of someone like John that was hot for Jesus. He was... Man, I love you, Jesus. You were so amazing. You were so awesome. I love you, Lord. I am your beloved. But unfortunately, a lot of us have become Judas. And we're right there in the middle. We want to be called a disciple of Jesus. Yet we don't want to give up the things of the world. I'm going to read this from Charles Spurgeon. It says, Such prayers mock God. Speaking to the lukewarm, Such prayers mock God. Oh, my brethren and sisters, have you ever really thought what an insult it is to God when you come before Him with lukewarm prayers? There stands the heavenly mercy seat. The road to it is sprinkled with the precious blood of Jesus. Yet we come to it with hearts that are cold or we approach it leaving our hearts behind us. We kneel in the attitude of prayer, yet we do not pray. We prattle out certain words. We express thoughts which are not our real desires. We feign wants that we do not feel. We... <laughs> Do we not thus degrade the mercy seat? We make it, as it were, a common lounging place rather than an awful wrestling place, once besprinkled with blood and often to be besprinkled with the sweat of the fervent supplication. He goes on to say this, Such lives turn people away from Jesus. Now lukewarm professor, those that are professing and they're actually lukewarm, what do worldlings see in you? They see a man who says he's going to heaven, but is only traveling at a snail's pace. He professes to believe that there is a hell, yet he has tearless eyes and never seeks to snatch out souls from going down into the pit. They see before them one who has to deal with eternal re uh, realities, yet he is but half awake. One who professes to have passed through a transformation so mysterious and so wonderful that there must be, if it is true, a vast change in the outward life as a result of it. Yet they see him as much as like themselves as can be. He may be morally consistent in his general behavior, 
but they see no energy in his religious character. The careless worldliness lulled to sleep by the lukewarm professor who in his respect acts the part of the siren to the sinner playing sweet music in his ears and even helping to lure him to the rocks where he will be destroyed. This is a solemn matter, beloved. In this way, great damage is done to the cause of truth. And God's name and God's honor are compromised by inconsistent professors. I pray you either to give up your profession or to be true to it. If you really are God's people, then serve him with all your might. But if Bel be your God, then serve him in the flesh. Be worth, be, be worth praising, then serve the flesh. But if God be Lord, paramount, then cleave to him. In his sermon, an earnest, earnest prayer warning against lukewarmness, Spurgeon begins to describe the lukewarm church. They have prayer meetings, but there are few present, for they like quiet evenings home. When more attend the meetings, they are still very dull, for they do their prayer very deliberately and are afraid of being too excited. They are content to have all the things done decently in order, but vigor and zeal are considered to be vulgar. They may have schools, Bible classes, preaching rooms, and all sorts of agencies, but they might as well be without them, for no energy is displayed and no good comes from them. They have deacons and elders who are excellent pillars of the church. If the chief quality of the pillars is to stand still <laughs> and exhibit no motion or emotions, wow, that's the, whew. The pastor does not fly very far in preaching the everlasting gospel, and he certainly has no flame of fire in his preaching. The pastor may be a shining light of eloquence, but he certainly is not a burning light of grace setting men's hearts on fire. Everything is done in a half-hearted, listless, dead, and alive way, as if it did not matter much whether it be done or not. Things are respectively done, but the rich families are not offended. The skeptical party is consolated, and the good people are not quite alienated. Things are made pleasant all around. The right things are done, but as, as to do them with all your might and soul and strength, a lay Odyssean has no notion to what that means. They are not so cold as to abandon their work or to give up their meetings for prayer or reject the gospel. They are neither hot for the truth, nor hot for conversations, nor hot for conversions, nor hot for holiness. They are not fiery enough to burn the stubble of sin nor zealous enough to make Satan angry, nor fervent enough to make a living sacrifice of themselves upon the altar of their God, they are neither cold nor hot. Here's, I think, the problem in our, in our churches, guys, is that I hope we never fall into this category. You got someone that's a cold, hard sinner. They're far away from Jesus. They get saved, they come to faith, and all they do is the ones that are discipling them, all they did was ever get on the fence. That's as far as they got. 
And I think the problem is, is in our churches, is that a lot of gatekeepers to the fullness of God are lukewarm Christians sitting on the fence. And so the problem is, is we get to this point, and they never go any farther. What, what's going to happen is, is, is you're going to start feeling discouraged, like, man, like, there's not really any change in these people. Like, this is not good. And then they're just going to keep going back to the things of the world. But what would happen, guys, if when people accept Jesus, when they see us, they see people that are full of God, that they are wholehearted, they are, they are all in. They'll, they'll go right past the fence and they'll get to that point. Because they're going to be like, man, I really want what you have. I can see a difference in your life. Jesus changed your life. Here's the thing. What would happen if you come in on a Sunday morning and our greeters are just sitting there looking at their phones? You wouldn't feel very welcome, would you? What would happen if, if you're going back there and you're teaching in, in, in res kids, but you haven't studied all week, you haven't prepared anything for the kids, you're just going back there and having fun with them, like, oh, this is all we're doing. If that's the way that you're going to be, Jesus is saying, like, hey, like, 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 for instance, if you're serving in an area and you're not passionate and you're not devoted to it, then just don't do it. This is what Jesus is telling us. If your heart's not in it, if you're not passionate about it, you are, you are, you are hindering people from fully knowing me. Jesus had nothing good to say about this church. And the sad thing is, is I feel like when he looks at the American church in general, that he might not have anything good to say. That's a fear. Lord, help us. So what do we do? Well, Jesus gives them this counsel. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. And salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Wait a minute. How do we buy if we're completely poor, we're broke, we're naked, we don't have anything to offer? What do you, oh, Jesus, you're, you're, you're confusing me here. What, what are you trying to say? The price has already been paid by what Jesus has done. Just buy into it, I guess. Believe it. But think about it. They, they thought that they had all this amazing stuff. And he's saying, no, no, no. Buy from me gold refined by fire. Like, like, like when we serve a life with Jesus, gold won't matter because when we get to heaven, we're just walking on that stuff. You think of them like, that, like they were thinking they were walking around and they were all like clothed and like sporting their, their, their all black outfits. Look at this beautiful black wool. And isn't that how we are in the world? Like we sport around like how good we look and all these things and all that stuff. We get the finest clothes, the best of the best. Jesus saying, gosh, you're just so naked right now. Jesus saying, but if you come to me, like I can clothe you in this white clothing. I can, I can, you, you, you think that you're good, but you know what? I, I want to give you purity. I, I want to make you whole. I want to make you pure. Oh, man. He wants to put salve over their eyes 
so that they can have true healing in their life. We're going to the different things of this world to try to find healing and all this stuff, but, but really the, 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 the only way that you're going to get true healing is through Jesus. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, Jesus tells them, starting with the verse 19, let's start with that. He says in verse 19, Those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. When... When I spank my kids, hopefully I don't get sued for that. <laughs> is when I see them and they're lying. Like the friends the other day. Like Rick, I'm like, did you brush your teeth? Yeah. And like his toothbrush is completely dry. I'm like, well, your toothbrush is completely dry. Did, did you really? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you again. Did you brush your teeth? No. Why? Why did you just do that? And when I see them being unkind to their brothers or sisters, like that just goes right through me. Or if I see them being mean to another kid, like, oh, it just goes right through me. Like, no, that's not. The reason that I, I discipline my kids is because I know deep down inside that's not who they are. And that doesn't align with the character of who they are and who God created them to be. That's why I discipline them. When Jesus is rebuking the Laodiceans, it's not because he hates them. Jesus is coming to them as a brother and saying, look, this is not what's best for you. You think that you have all it put together, but you don't realize the fullness that you could have in me. <laughs> Jesus rebukes to our lukewarmness is not because he's a mean brother, it's because he loves us. So what's he tell us to do in verse 19? So be earnest and repent. What does earnest mean? Be fervent. What does fervent mean? Take it seriously. Be wholehearted. And then to repent is to ask him for forgiveness. Turn to him. Turn from what you've been doing. Quit having a foot in the world and a foot in church. Either be all in or just, just be out. I, th I think that's why the, 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 the father allowed the prodigal son to go out into the world because he's like, all right, I know for you, you're going to have to experience some tough times. And, and when you experience that, I know you're going to have to, I, I hate that you're going to have to go through that, but it's going to take you getting to be in a cold-hearted person and spending everything that you have to wake your butt up and for you to fully come and be devoted to me. Some of us in this room, that's what it's going to take. But, but Jesus is saying, I wish you would get off that fence. You're either for me or against me. I can tell you right now, if I'm playing a kickball game, I don't want somebody on my team that doesn't care about winning. I'm picking somebody that wants to win that game. I don't want somebody that's like, yay, we're both winning. No, we're in this thing to win. Right? That's what Jesus is saying, like, don't be all in. Like, either you're in or not. Like, why did I even pick you? You don't even care. <laughs> Guys, we got to stop being bandwagon Christians and take this thing seriously and devote ourselves fully to God. We will never, ever have an effective relationship with him if we are constantly on the fence. Havner said this in a quote, to, the, the, the cause of Christ has been hurt more by Sunday morning bench warmers who pretend to love Christ, who call him Lord, 
but do not his commands than by all the publicans and sinners. So what's Jesus do? He, he, he tells them, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anybody hears my voice and he opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus is never ever going to force his way into your life. But the problem for a lot of us is we have rejected the knock so long that we don't even hear him knocking anymore. We're so miserable. We're trying to do it on our own and we can't. Jesus is just here knocking. It's not like a... No, it's like he's knocking as a gentleman, not aggressive, very loving. Very loving. Verse 21, let's end with this. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the spirit of the... Spirit says to the churches. He's saying if you repent, if you get off that fence, one day there will come a point in time where you are going to sit on my throne with me. Where you will be sitting right beside my, my side. You're going to be victorious one day. And we're going to get to sit with God on his throne. Whoa! Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit has to say. So Jesus as we mentioned that, it is wanting us to do three different things. Think about the church at Ephesus. What, what is he wanting us to do? Remember. Remember our first love. So the first thing we need to do is remember. Remember how good God's been in your life. Remember, remember those miracles he's done in your life. Remember the time where he saved your husband and set him free. Remember the time where he healed you from that addiction. Remember the time where you was just praying like, Lord, I don't know how we're going to pay this bill. And somehow that, 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 that blank check, that check just showed up in the mail and it was exactly what you needed. Remember, remember how good God's been. Remember, remember how loving he is. Remember how awesome your life was then. So we got to remember, we got to repent so that he can redeem. God wants to redeem you. The thing about in this scripture, it doesn't say that I'm spitting you out of my mouth. What does he say? No, I'm about to, which means he's still giving us a chance. I, I still love you. It's disgusting right now. I'm about to spit you out. But you've got to change. I want to end with this. In Joshua 24, 14 through 15. It says this. It says, Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors' worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in, in whose land you were living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. <laughs> Church, we need to make a choice. 
We're either going to go after the things of this world and what it has to offer, the pleasures of this world, the things that it has to offer. We're going to continue binge watching on Netflix every night, waking up being exhausted. We can't do our job effectively. We can't be a parent effectively. We can't serve the Lord faithfully. We can't wake up early in the morning to pray or anything like that because we're, we're so consumed by that and we've weighed ourselves down with the things of this world. We need to wake up and we need to make a choice. And I think, honestly, I think what the Lord showed me is men that it starts with us. If you're tired of seeing your family broken, if you're tired of seeing your marriage lukewarm, then it's going to take you changing. Because too many women are having to step up and lead their homes. We need to make a choice, man. It starts with us. If we're being lukewarm over our household, men, don't be surprised if you've got a lukewarm family and a lukewarm life. Maybe you were here today and you're over here and you're, you're so far from God. Maybe you have been one that's been hurt or offended by those that's sitting right here on the fence. There is a fullness that the Lord wants you to experience today. He don't have a, a fence-riding religion for you. He's got the fullness. Church, I know that. Recently, i I, I got to be honest, I felt like I've been right here on this fence. Because sometimes it just gets too hard. Ministry's not easy sometimes. It's a heavy weight to carry. It's a heavy burden to carry when you have to do this week after week. And, and Aaron knows what I'm talking about. It's a, heavy, it's a heavy burden to carry because we're responsible for what we tell you guys. That's a big weight. We're going to be judged by how we presented ourselves up here. It's a heavy responsibility, but I, I know that I want to apologize to, honestly, anyone that's been impulsed because I felt like there's been a while recently where I've just kind of like, eh, I'm just showing up. I'm just going through the motions. And I'm sorry. But sometimes I just want, I want to be real, too. I want you to know that sometimes we can fall into those struggles. And sometimes we can fall on the fence and say, gosh, maybe, maybe there's someone else that can do a better job at this because maybe I'm just not effective anymore. And we just become, eh, just going through the motions, just lukewarm. I apologize to all my Paul's leaders for not being, a, being the leader that I know that God's called me to be. I'm just being honest and being real. I want to apologize to the church if I've just been going through the motions. Like, I want to apologize to your pastor. Because you, you guys don't need somebody leading you that's sitting on a fence. You need somebody that's all in and, and, and about the things of the Lord. But there are days where I'm sitting here and I'm just living like the church at Laodicea. And you guys have moments like that as well. You've got areas of your life where you're lukewarm. You, you know. I don't have to tell you. But today, the Lord wants you to jump off of that fence. We're either all in or, we're, or just don't even come back. <laughs> I'm not saying it to be mean. I want you to keep coming back. I don't want you to not go away. I, I don't mean that. But I'm saying here, if we're not coming here for change, what are we coming here for? The Lord has fullness for us today. So, as we stand, Ken, if you could just play something softly real quick as we, as we close. Church, I want to be honest today. I, I feel like the Lord is, is wanting a lot of us to just 
really come and just surrender ourselves. I don't want us to be known as a, as a lukewarm church. I don't want us to be known as someone like, oh, they're just like every other church in America. No, I, I want us to be a church that's all about God, about every aspect of God. When people come in this place, I, I, there, there's a reason that, that people come back. Like, I feel so welcome and love when I come in these doors. Like, right at the door, like, you're, you're welcome before you even get in the parking lot. Like, think about it. If I'm up here and I'm worshiping on a, on a, on a Sunday morning, there's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Are you guys going to believe that? There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. What are you going to believe? What is the world believing about you and about our God? I don't know, but maybe, I don't know what you're going through. But if you're on the fence today, We've been playing around. We've been playing the middle ground. I think it's time for us to fully repent and come back to the Lord. Because if not, I truly feel like today the Lord's like, I'm, I'm not going to say he's on it today because he's, he's long-suffering. But if he comes back like a thief in the night today, can you say, man, I was all in? Or can you say, I've just been living life on the fence? And you stand before the throne, throne room. You stand before God there's so many of us that cry, Lord, Lord, and he's going to say, depart from me. I didn't even know you because he spit you out so long ago. I don't want that for any of us. He doesn't want that for any of you. He loves you. He is crazy about you. And he's, he's given us so much grace here. I am knocking at the door, but I won't force myself in. So church, as we close, with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here today and your heart's been far from the Lord. You're saying, I, I, don't, I, want, I want to be all in with God. I don't. Jesus died for you. He loves you. He died for every sin that you have. If you're here today and you've never, ever known Christ, would you just slip up your hand and say, I want to ask Jesus into my heart today. Anybody at all? Just slip your hand up. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Amen. Lord, I just pray over, over this person right now. I pray that you would just come into their life. Lord, I pray that, Father, they would make you Lord of their life today. And so, church, let's just say this prayer together. Say, dear Jesus... I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose again. I believe that you're coming again. I invite your Holy Spirit in right now to help me to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.